dudes. Let's give it up for these good-looking kids. Amen. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Let's give them another round of applause. Okay, they took my fingers, so I got to juggle here. So give me just a second. Welcome to Crossroads. Welcome our online congregation as well as those that are in-house. We are so thankful for y'all being here. Welcome any visitors that are with us today. We're thankful that you've come, decided to worship with us. We also have a welcome center out back after service. If you'll go out and get a bag, we have a welcome center bag for you if you're a first-time visitor. So welcome. You know, we at Crossroads uh, have a faith statement that we've been doing for a while. And part of that when we do something over and over and over, sometimes it just becomes something that we do. But I want you to understand that this faith statement that we have is more than just a statement that we say on Sunday, just because it's the time of church and you know, Pastor Charlie gets up here and says the faith statement, so I'll do that. So let's today, as we say our faith statement, let's think about what we're saying. Pastor Michelle's always telling us on the praise team that when we're singing the songs, read the songs first, know what it's saying, know what you're singing, because that interprets, that tells you how you're going to praise the Lord. Well, let's look at our faith statement and let's know what we're saying when we say our faith statement. So if you'll join in with me today. We are sword drawn, word ready, purpose filled. We will not be denied. And in Jesus' name, we will do everything, not somehow, but triumphantly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what that means, church? Everything, every day, every moment, we're not going to have to do things. We're going to do things as if the Lord has empowered us. Because what does his word say? I can do some things. I can do a few things. No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So when I have that attitude, then I come in here and I can say, I will do everything. Not somehow, not possibly, not whatever. How am I going to do it? Triumphantly. So we need to speak this over our life. And we need to speak this over our homes and over our jobs and stuff. When we have a project or we're facing something, this is how we face it. We face it triumphantly because we serve a God who can. Amen? Yes. We also have a faith statement over our offering because here at Crossroads, we don't believe that you just give money in the offering because that's what you do at a church and that they're always asking for money. They're always going to pass an offering plate. 
there's a purpose behind what we give. And we don't just give to write a check because that's what our parents told us or our grandparents told us or, you know, the Bible, Bible talks about a tithe. It's not the purpose that we give. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something. God don't need your money. God owns the cattle of a thousand hills. Do you think he needs your little paycheck? But I tell you what, his church does. The service of his ministry needs the money. So when we give, we're not giving just into ministry and just into service. But we're giving knowing that God's going to bless us back. That whatever we give, he's promised that he's going to open up heaven and pour out upon us. So much so that our cups are going to do what? They're going to run over. So as we say our faith statement today over our offering, let's be believing and let's understand why we're giving. And here's something else. We give how? Joyfully, with a joyful heart. Now, we don't pass the offering plate here. As you well know, we have offerings on the side and here in the front. Anytime during service, as you feel led or you're ready, you can come up and bring your offerings and drop them in the baskets here. Amen. So join with me today. As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decrease, blessing and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, I am so happy to see y'all here today because this just fulfills part of what God has for us. And you know what? When you truly think about who God is, what is the response we have? We worship. How do we worship? We sing and we praise and we lift our hands and we dance. We don't sit here with our arms crossed and thinking about what's for lunch or, you know, how am I going to, what am I going to do tomorrow? We focus on God. And I'm going to read to you today from First Chronicles. Oh, get back to my scripture here. First Chronicles chapter 16, beginning with the 23rd verse. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are but idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. 
tremble before him all the earth. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad and let them say among the nation, the Lord reigns. Let the seas roar and all its fullness. Let the field rejoice and all that is in it. Then the trees of the wood shall rejoice before the Lord for he is coming to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And say, save us, O God, of our salvation. Gather us together and deliver us from the Gentiles. Give thanks to your holy name to triumph in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, you ready to praise this morning? Let's fill this place up. Come on, you come on up and let's worship together like we've been doing. Yeah, come on, let's get close. Come on, let's say to the one. Here we go. To the one who lives us from the dust. To the Oh, pray. 
your praise, your expressions of praise is a choice. I can't make you do it. But he is so good. You know, I just have to do it because he's worthy. If we did everything because we felt like it, we wouldn't be doing a whole lot of anything, true? You probably wouldn't get up and go to work in the morning, right? Because you probably wouldn't feel like it. But whenever it comes to God, he has done so much for us. He is so worthy. He has been so good to me. If I could just sit here and tell you how good he's been, man, it would take a long time. That's why I worship. What's your why? Why do you worship? Why do you feel like you need to worship? Maybe you don't. I think that's a thankfulness issue. Because he's been so good, we can't help but worship him. Come on, so when we sing stuff like your praise will ever be on my lips, we're committed to what we confess. So if out of my mouth I say your praise will ever be on my lips, and guess what's going to happen tomorrow? Something's probably going to test that and say, all right, chick, you said his praise will be ever on your lips. Where's his praise now? Because something's going wrong. Where's it at now? He's going, you're going to get tested. I can promise you that. But it's a choice. And I can promise you if you just make the choice to praise and just praise through whatever you're feeling, just praise through whatever you're going through. You know what? He may not change your circumstances right in that moment, but he changes you. He changes you. Let him change your heart. He changes me. Listen, if, he, if I come up here and he doesn't change me, I've just put on a performance. Right? We've just come in and done our Sunday duty. Let him change you. Let him change something about you today that needs to be changed. Maybe it's your attitude. Maybe it's your faith. Maybe it's what you're believing for. Maybe it's negativity. Maybe it's stress and anxiety. Come on, let him take that. And just say, no matter what, I'm going to praise you, Lord, because you're worthy. Because that's what's going on in heaven 24-7 is praise. Come on, tell him your praise. Your praise will ever be on my lips. Lord, I choose today. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it anyway, God.
Death could not hold you. The veil tore me. 
worship, you got to lift up your own song to Him. If you can say it, you can sing it. Lord, we praise you, God. We worship you, Lord. If he's worthy, come on, tell him. You are worthy, Lord. You're worthy, God. You alone are worthy, Jesus. You alone are worthy, Lord. You alone are worthy, Lord. Lord, we worship you, God. We worship you. Nobody but Jesus. Nobody like Jesus. No name like Jesus. Lord, I can't make it without you, Jesus. Can't live without you, Jesus. Can't live without your presence, Lord. Can't live without you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Come on, this atmosphere. If Jesus is not Lord of your life, if you have never accepted Jesus into your heart to live and rule and reign and to leave a changed person, if you've never done that, come on, today's your day. This is your moment. There is nothing like Jesus. He can change everything. If you're far from him, if you hadn't worshiped him in a while, come on, right now is a good time to say, Lord, I'm sorry and just turn around and be different right now. Jesus, change hearts in this place right now, God. Listen, when we praise like this, God is on his throne doing work on your behalf. It is a fact, it is a biblical fact. When we worship, he works, it's that simple. And when we worship, he can change everything around us. Come on, if you need to come to this altar, come. Give your heart to Jesus. Reignite that relationship you once had with him. Come on, there's something special about coming to an altar. You can do it right where you are. But if you need Jesus today to be new and fresh, that relationship, that union with him to be fresh in your heart, come on, this is the time to do it. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. Come on, that's the most beautiful name you'll ever hear. You can call him your king today. Come on, that name brings hope. That name brings peace. 
right now, but this afternoon, tomorrow, Thursday. Come on, it doesn't change. Worship is a lifestyle. Lord, we praise you, God, your word. God, we thank you for this time together to be reminded just how worthy you are, just how beautiful and wonderful and powerful your name is. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, we worship you, Jesus. You are worthy of our praise, God. You are worthy of our praise. Yes, Lord. Come on, one more time. Lift it up. Lift up a hallelujah, a praise the Lord like you never had before. Oh, we your praise. Come on, four people, look them in the eyeball and say it. He deserves your praise. Yes. Yes, Lord. 
Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Hello, 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 testing, one, two, one, two. All right, Children's Church, you will now be dismissed with Pastor Serena in the back, all the children's. Oh, and the Christmas, they are practicing for the Christmas special in December. So if you're a part of that, please meet Miss Serena in the back. Meet Miss Serena in the back. Hey, did, did y'all like what we did with the place? Some of y'all mad at me? How dare you move my seat? How dare you? We're Pentecostal. Give me my seat. Hey, listen. Y'all want to know the honest to God truth? I had asked y'all to move up so many times, I just had to take it in my own hands. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. Just joking, guys. Jeez. Just messing with you guys. Huh? Thank you. Yes, y'all did. Slowly but surely, row by row. I appreciate you guys. It's good to see all of you this morning. Those of you who do not know me, our first-time guests, I'm Pastor Josiah. It's nice to meet you guys if I did not get a chance to talk to you guys. Got to talk to Jeff and Tammy. I'm glad to have you guys with us today. It's good to see you. Um, before we get into anything, yes, it's Halloween. No, I'm not preaching a sermon against Halloween, which I know a lot of people are doing. I just want to read one verse to you. All right, this is from the Passion Translation, Ephesians 5, 8. I just want to remind you who you are today. Does that make sense? I'm not one of these people that's going to condemn you for going trick-or-treating. I'm not going to say, how dare you? This is the devil's holiday. You know, we as Christians can be the salt and light to anything. So if we go and we know who we are, right? We're in the world, but we're not of the world. If we know who we are, we could then flip that darkness into light. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 says, and this is a Passion Translation. I, it's growing on me. I read the New King James for my main reading, but I like the way it says this. Once your life was full of sin's darkness, but now you have the very light of our Lord shining through you because of your union with him. Your mission is to live as a child flooded with his revelation light. And I think that's beautiful. So today, whatever you go out to do after service today, whatever you're taking part in, remember, you are the light. And through union with Jesus, right, that's what we talked about last week, through union with Jesus, we then shine his light to the world. All right, I'm going to pray for us real quick. King Jesus, we thank you for this day. Um, I want to thank you for what you're doing in my heart. And I'm slowly but surely learning that a hungry heart will get you further in the kingdom than a heavy head. So King Jesus, I just pray you would continue to soften my heart. Give me grace. Give me mercy. Speak through me today. And now I pray for the congregation that this word that goes forth from your holy scripture would touch hearts, would touch minds, would transform hearts, that we would not focus on behavior modification, but that we would be transformed by the living word of God. So King Jesus, I just pray our hearts would be open, our ears would be open. Let him or her who has ears to hear, 
here today. So King Jesus, we honor you. We thank you. We thank you for that sweet presence today in worship. And we thank you that no matter what, you are with us at all times. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. So last week I had told you guys, and some of y'all kind of looked at me funny, I said I found the gospel for the first time. And y'all are like, you're a pastor, what do you mean you found the gospel for the first time? No, I mean in my heart of hearts, I have found the gospel. Now I've read the Bible through and through. I went to Bible college, and one thing they teach you in Bible college is to study, study, study. But they forget to tell you to pray for a soft heart so that what you're reading seeps down into your heart. And so I am learning slowly but surely that a hungry heart is getting me further in the kingdom than a heavy head. And I have had a real heavy head. I mean, I have a big head anyways, but you know what I'm saying, right? So a hungry heart is getting me further, understanding, seeking Jesus in a new way. And the word that we talked about last week was union. And what we talked about is we don't just have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We have union with Jesus Christ. 164 times in the New Testament, Paul wrote in Christ Jesus. The Greek word, oh, y'all, listen, please don't think you got to take notes. This is my think forward. Like, like last week, I'm just going off of this, all right? What, what I want you to get today out of anything are the scriptures, okay? I want you to write down the scriptures because, listen, I cannot get a revelation for you. I may get a revelation in my heart that transforms me, but you just may get more information you then go and try to do yourself. Does that make sense? So just get the scriptures, if you want to take a picture after, please do. I'm just working through this today. This is a thought board, right? So just please focus on the verses. But a little recap, because one of the greatest strengths of the Christian faith is repetition, okay? That's why in the Bible, you'll see the same thing over and over and over. And when you do, what does that mean? It's important, right? It's important. And so when we see in Christ Jesus 164 times, we should probably think what? It's important, right? And it's important for us today in this modern age. So we started with John chapter 17, verse 21, and we talked about our oneness with Jesus. And I told you guys how in our men's group, we are currently reading through the book of John. And I told you when we got to John chapter 17, verse 23, where Jesus says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And so they will be in us. That messed me up because I've been taught my whole life it's about a personal relationship with Jesus, I had never heard anyone tell me I have union with Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? It doesn't all depend on me. It's Christ Jesus in me. Okay, so that mindset kind of drifts us more legalism than freedom in Christ Jesus. And what really wrecked me was you cannot get any closer to God than you are right now. Some of you are going to be like, oh, how dare he say that? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. Write that down. It says, those who were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. That word near in the Greek is ingius, which means as close as you can be in space, so distance and time. So what was Paul saying? He said, in this moment in time, you are as close to God as you'll ever be. But what happens is we grow in our awareness of his nearness. Does that make sense? David in the Psalm said, God, where can I go that your presence is not with me? If I ascend into the heavens... God, you are there. If I descend into Sheol, God, you are there. So what I'm slowly but surely understanding and realizing and living is Acts chapter 17, verse 28, which says, in him I live, I move, and I have my being. Right? 
He is with me at all times. It's no longer Josiah Hodge striving to be good enough. It's no longer Josiah Hodge trying to be good enough, but I'm in the presence of God at all times, which makes everywhere I go holy ground. You see how that changes your mindset about how you, what you do and how you do it? What, what happens if we as Christians actually believe what we read, and so in our workplaces we turn it into holy ground? In our houses, where maybe we're the only ones saved there, we turn our houses into holy ground because we are constantly in the presence of God and acknowledging His nearness. The second part is you cannot be any closer to God than anyone else is. What? No, you can't. Romans 2.11 says there is no partiality in God. Galatians 2.6 says there is no favoritism in God. So if there's no favoritism, why would He be closer to me than you, Aunt Don? C.E., why would he be closer to me than you? He can't. We're the same distance, brother. We just grow in our revelation of his nearness. Listen, no striving, living. Now, what do I mean by this? I'm not discouraging Bible reading at all. I love reading my Bible. I'm not discouraging praying. I'm not discouraging going to church. What I'm saying is for so long, we have strived to be good enough for God. We have tried our hardest to be good enough. God, if I read my Bible 10 hours this week, I'll be closer to you. But what happens when you don't read it for those 10 hours? Condemnation. God, I failed you. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. How many of us have been there? We set behaviors for ourselves that God never said, hey, Jackie, you've got to read this much. Can I tell you that our, our greatest worship is not obedience? It's a heart smitten with love. That was always God's way. We see him as this mean dictator in the Old Testament, but his way was always love. Is that why Jesus says love fulfills the law? It was always love. It's always been love. It'll always be love because what? We have a loving father. Galatians 3, 2 through 3 messed me up because Paul writes to the Galatians and he says, Oh, you foolish Galatians, having begun in the spirit, are you now being perfected by your flesh? So what was he saying? You accepted Christ, you became union with Christ, but then you left Christ and thought you could do it yourself. That was me. I read that scripture, I said, my goodness, Josiah, you are a foolish Galatian. Having begun in the spirit, am I perfecting myself? Y'all, we couldn't even start the work ourselves. How are we going to complete it? We are the bride of Christ. And I said, don't get stuck in the friend zone. Why? Who is Jesus coming back for? his bride. I want to be a part of that. I'm not trying to scare you. Last thing I want to do is scare you. I'm saying that our love for Christ should be so deep, we don't want to miss the beautiful return of the bridegroom. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, Paul says, I have betrothed you to one groom. It's to Jesus. So he was saying, I have worked and worked and worked to get you prepared to be the bride of Christ. Right? So he's saying you are betrothed to one bridegroom. Not personal relationship, but union. And I know, I know in America, us macho men, right? Oh, we love football and weightlifting, all this good stuff. Sometimes we get hung up on the example of marriage. I've heard males time and time again say, I'm not going to be married to Jesus. That's weird. <laughs> Y'all, marriage is just symbolism of the deepest union we can have as human beings. Okay, it's an example, right? Do we all understand symbolism? It's a symbol, right? It's symbolism as we as human beings, the deepest union we will ever have with another human being is marriage. Now, I'm not saying sleeping together. I'm not saying living together. Covenant with one another. When you sign that marriage certificate, you put that ring on your finger. You're saying, hey, I, I betrothed myself to you. I give myself to you fully. 
there's a covenant that has to take place. And slowly but surely in my heart, I'm realizing that Christianity isn't just a religion to be followed. It's a marriage of the spirit to Jesus. And there's a covenant that has to take place. And if we leave him in the friend zone, he's going to forever be standing there with a ring in his hand, waiting for his betrothed, but we never come. And I would hate to be those people. And y'all, this one messed me up. I heard this quote because I have, listen, proximity to God, proximity, closeness to God is not a pursuit, but a promise. Just ponder that for a second. Selah, like in in the Psalms, means to pause and ponder. Proximity to God is not a pursuit. It's a promise. Some of y'all just need to ponder that and let that sink into your hearts. That's good. Let's start recap. Miss Pat, will you play that video for me? We see the or not.
Can you imagine a God that big? A God that loving? Hmm. All right, let's go home. I'm just fine. I just, just ponder for a second what, what you heard. Just ponder for a second. We don't have to be in a rush. I don't always have to be saying something. We can breathe. Thank you, Jesus. How many of us have been there? How many of us have been in that place where I, I'm going to free myself? Jesus, I, I don't want to burden you with anything else, right? Jesus, I don't want to burden you. I, I can handle this one. But what always ends up happening? We get deeper and deeper and deeper stuck in that. Miss Pat, can you please pull up my PowerPoint? And we find ourselves in that place, right, of bondage and condemnation because we have been relying on ourselves and not the power of Jesus. Mm. What we're dealing with today is complete forgiveness. I know we've heard this before. Listen, my goal as your pastor is not to tell you new things all the time. I feel like pastors have this pressure on them to always give like a new word, something new. This isn't anything new, but this is revelation in my heart that is growing and growing and growing. And I'm seeing freedom like never before because I'm not striving like I was before. I'm relying on Jesus. So we're still dealing with union, but this, I don't want to call it a benefit because we're not using Jesus for this. It's something that comes out of our union with him. Okay, it's, it's a perk, right? It's the cherry on top of union, um, but it's, it's complete forgiveness. And we're going to start off in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. In the next section, I'm going to have y'all stand up and read with me. But this section I'll read. For the law, this is Hebrews 10, 1 through 4. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things. Who, who, was, who was the good things to come? Jesus. The law was a foreshadowing of Jesus. Can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? How many of us, listen, we, we live in a different day and age, so we're not sacrificing animals, but how many of us feel like we have to repent over every single thing we ever did and we get on our knees, God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, right? And we, we basically replay, replace sacrifice with repentance. We're going to deal with repentance in a minute because repentance is not usually what we classify it as in the church. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sin. Why did they have a consciousness of sin? Because they knew every time they messed up, what are they going to have to do? Kill another animal. Can you imagine how expensive it was to live in that time period? You were having to kill an animal for everything you did, right? Especially if that's your livelihood. You're constantly giving your livelihood, having to sacrifice. But year after year, they knew they sinned. Why? Because they had to do a sacrifice. They were, once they give one sacrifice, they were thinking, oh, God, I got to give another one, right? And it's this constant ebb and flow of, I know I'm going to mess up. So let's go ahead and think about the next sacrifice I'm going to have to give. So it's the same consciousness because why? Sin was always where? At the forefront of their minds. If you're having to go through this big, long process to sacrifice an animal through this temple, it would probably be on the forefront of your mind too. So you're constantly thinking, Josiah, do not lie because you don't want to have to give up another chicken. Josiah, do not look at that woman or you got to give up another goat. I already gave up Bob. I can't give up Jerry. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, that's what you're thinking in your mind. So, it's, so what does that mean? Where, where is sin always? It's in your mind. 
And have you noticed that the more you think about something, the more you tend to do it? So if I'm walking around, I can't lie today. I cannot lie today. What am I probably going to do? I can't lust today. I cannot look at any woman in the, anywhere. What am I probably going to do? Why? Because I'm constantly thinking about it. I'm thinking about not doing it, which then causes me to do it. Because sin consciousness. And it's constantly this reminder of, you're going to mess up. You're going to have to sacrifice. Keep thinking about it. Verse 3. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Did you know whenever these priests did that, they were only covering your sin for the next year? Right? So sin was still there. It was just covered up. So what happens? Uncovered. Covered. Uncovered. It never went away. Your sin was always present. You could just cover it by a sacrifice. It was always there. Will y'all stand with me and read this section, then we're going to talk about it. Hebrews 10, 11 through 18. Let's honor the word of God today. Ready? And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. How... How tedious does that sound? Every single day. Did y'all know there was not a chair to be found in the temple? The priests were constantly, listen, in in, in the Old Testament, while priests had an important role, they were nothing more than a glorified butcher. Constantly sacrificing animals. Blood and fire. Blood and fire. All I got to say is I would have hoped not to be born into the Levitical priesthood. You were born into that. You had no choice. I would pray to God I would have not been born into that. Glorified butcher. Y'all, listen, I can't even handle blood, okay? They would have probably got, they would probably kicked me out of the family because, y'all, if I see, I can't even get into that. I make me nauseous up here. Anyways, 12. Y'all say this with me. But this man, say it, say it loud. Who is that? Jesus. Jesus. Mm. After he had offered how many sacrifices? For sins, how long? Sat down at the right hand of God. So y'all tell me, these priests are standing daily, sacrifice, sacrifice, daily, every single day. Jesus makes one. And what does he do? Sits down by the right hand of the Father. It's finished. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Can I tell you all, his enemies are his footstools. So whatever you're struggling with, it's already his footstool. You just got to give it to him. 
It's already his footstool. And did you know we as the kingdom of God on the earth, did you know we're the kingdom of God on the earth? We are how he rules and reigns in the earth. We are the kingdom of God on the earth. So what does that mean for us? We are to take what we struggle with and make it his footstool. Verse 14, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Who else thinks that's good news? Who else thinks that is amazing news? One sacrifice, he is perfected forever. What does that mean? Am I perfect now? No. Those who are being sanctified. It's beautiful. Verse 15, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. What does that mean? Y'all, it's finished. The price has been paid. It's over. Scripture clearly says that Jesus conquered hell, death, and the grave. Sin included in that. It's over. Do we understand that? It's over. When Jesus did this, now where there is remission. Do you know remission means completely paid off? It's as if you had a bail, it's completely paid off. No more debt. You're free. There's nothing involved in that. And it says where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Why? Sin's no longer there. Sin's no longer there. It's over. It's dealt with. It's completed. It's been paid. It is completely finished. John chapter 19 Verse 28 and 30. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Verse 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, what did he say? What did he say? Now, when Jesus said it's finished, did he mean, okay, it's done, but now they got to strive. Now they got to work. Now they got to be, they got to try to be good enough. They got to do everything they can to be acceptable. They have to work for it and work for it and try and try. Is that what he meant? No. He said, it is finished. It's done. It's completed. Why? Why are we trying? And listen, I have this as a sub point. You know the I die day, I die daily theology? Oh, I die to myself every day. Did you know that is taken completely out of context? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul says, I die to myself daily. That's the, the actual translation is, I face death daily. He's talking about being persecuted for the faith. He's talking about the resurrection. He said, why would I preach this if there's no resurrection at the end? So Jesus wasn't saying, or Paul wasn't saying, okay, now, Charlie, 2,000 years from now, I want you to wake up every day and die to yourself. Answer me this. Can you die better than Jesus did? Can, can you die better than Jesus? I sure as heck can't die better than Jesus because you want to know what happens? What I used to do, wake up first thing in the morning, Jesus, I died to myself. Do you know what I ended up doing that day? Living for myself. I can't die as good as Jesus. You can't die as good as Jesus. Stop that I die daily mentality. It's not about you. Do you hear the first word in that? I. It's not about you. And if you can't die a better death than Jesus, stop trying. Is that, is that not what the video said? How often do we accept it, but we don't even understand the gospel that you're free? How often do we mix the old covenant with the new covenant, the Old Testament with the New Testament, and, and we mingle them? I, I heard this one pastor say, stop cheating on Jesus with Moses. 
What covenant do we live in? What, what covenant? What covenant? The new covenant. So why do we live as if we're under the law? We're under grace. Who, who is grace? Jesus. Grace is a man, and his name is what? Jesus. It is finished. Here's, here's a point for you to write down. Complete forgiveness in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. That, that's a key word. Not just complete forgiveness. Complete forgiveness in Christ Jesus. You know what that entails? Your past, your present, and your future. You see, we're, we tend to be okay with the past. And we tend to be okay. Listen, how many of y'all, because th- this is me, how many of y'all, after you sin, you didn't feel like you were forgiven until you begged him about 80 times to forgive you? Anybody? Y'all, I literally had to take my prayer journal, and if I did not specifically write out my sin, I walked in condemnation for the rest of the day. Y'all, I was so immature in my faith. I have a whole prayer. It's not a prayer journal. It's a repentance journal. Listen, 250 pages of me begging God for forgiveness. Do you see this mentality that religion gives us? You're never good enough. You'll never be good enough. Never. Not even in Jesus are you good enough. Can I tell you, in Christ Jesus, you are good enough? Because it's no longer I who live, but Christ Jesus who lived where? What's that word? In me. If you were to ask a child where Jesus lives, what would they tell you? Where would we usually say? Oh, he's in heaven. He's kind of chilling upstairs in his lazy boy watching football. No. Y'all, this is why Jesus said you must have the faith of a child. The faith of a child. Jesus is in our hearts. We really struggle with the future sins. But hey, let, let me ask you this. When Jesus died, where were all of your sins? On the cross, but where? In the future. When Jesus died, all of your sins were already in the So when you struggle with that, remember, you weren't born 2,021 years ago. You didn't see Jesus die on that cross. All of your sins were where? In the future. What did it say? One sacrifice for how long? Ever. Listen, you're no longer a sinner, but you're a saint. (gasps) What? How dare you say that? Y'all, let me tell you. We have a very big misconception, and it came from the Roman Catholic Church. A saint is not a perfect person. A saint is not a perfect person. If you are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, guess what you are? You're a saint. But if we walk around calling ourselves sinners, how are we going to live? How you identify yourself is how you live. That's why there's such an identity crisis in the world today. Everyone's calling themselves different things, and so they're losing who they actually were. Who are we all made to be? A child of God. You are what you call yourself. Imagine if you woke up every morning instead of living in condemnation saying, Oh, I'm a sinner. What if you woke up and said, Jesus Christ, thank you for making me a saint today? Could you imagine the perspective shift that would happen there? Could you imagine how you would see the world there? Could you imagine how you would not even focus on sin? Listen, if you're constantly calling yourself a sinner, what's at the forefront of your mind? Sin. So what are you going to be drawn towards? Sin. Hebrews. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. This is the privilege we now have as saints. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, 
Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are. What does that next thing say? Yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you all understand how, how great of an honor that is? That, do you understand that in the Old Testament, the only person who could go into the temple was a priest? You understand we are now all in the presence of God. We're saints. You know what Revelation calls us? Kings and priests. Kings and priests, not slaves and sinners. Why are you calling yourself something that Jesus never did? Jesus is saying here, hey man, I got it finished. Just walk with me. Talk with me. Be with me. Live and move and have your being in me. And as simple as that, being in Christ Jesus. But you know what we do? Complicate. Complicate. And we add layers and layers and layers and layers. That's why children accept Jesus way faster than adults do. Because children understand the simplicity of the gospel. It's a free gift to receive, not something to earn. And I, I, I think in this American mindset of the, the American dream, where you constantly have to earn your position, you constantly have to get a promotion, you got to have the best house, you have to earn everything, that we have such an earn it mentality that it's almost impossible for us to receive the gospel. Why? What, 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 is, what does the Old Testament say? You do in order to receive, right? You had to keep all these laws in order to be good enough. What does the New Testament say? Jesus already did. Just receive. You see the difference there? Do you see why we struggle with that mindset? In America, we're told you got to earn everything you got. You got to get it. You got to be a go-getter. You got to trample the competition, right? But the gospel says you don't have to earn anything. You just have to accept the gift. Point number two, the blood of Jesus does not just cover our sins. It cleanses us of our sins. Can I tell you a covering of sins doesn't do anything but just let it come out later? If you cover your sin, it's going to come back. But what happens when you cleanse it? It's washed away. And now we are washed what? White as snow. White as snow. Y'all know y'all love that song. Don't even play. Y'all looking all serious over here. I, I know y'all from the old school. I know y'all like that song. I'm just playing. The blood of Jesus does not just cover our sins. It cleanses us of our sins. Listen, I want y'all to hear this. Before we were lost in Adam, listen, before we were lost in Adam, before sin happened, right, and we were all given a sin nature, we were already found in Christ Jesus, the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Can I tell you that Jesus was always the plan? Do you think Adam sinned and God was like, what in the world? My whole plan is broken. Y'all, if that's what you think, you need to change your view of God. Jesus was always the plan. Jesus was not plan B. Jesus was not plan C. Jesus was what? Plan A. Revelation 13, 8. B, whose name have not been written, where? In the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, talking about the law, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. 
but was manifest in these last times for you. Who is thankful Jesus was manifest in these last times for us? Praise God, y'all, because I am the worst. I'm just being honest. If it would, listen, I can't even find my keys half the time. You think I'm going to keep my own salvation? I would lose my salvation as easy as I lose my keys. I'm not good enough. And I know that about myself. Jesus is awesome. I am not. But it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So while Josiah was the worst, Jesus is amazing. He now resides inside of me. Before you were lost in Adam, y'all stop giving Adam so much credit. He ate a fruit. All right, let's get over it. Just playing. <laughs> but stop giving Adam so much credit. Jesus is greater. Do you know what scripture says? I believe it's in 2 Corinthians, I believe. I'm trying to think of the other place. Can't get it right now. It said Adam was the first man, right? And everything was corrupted through the first man. But when the second man comes, all will be restored. Jesus is greater than Adam. Stop living as a brother of Adam and live as a brother of Christ. Stop living in the old covenant where the promises are so meager and you have to achieve so much. Live in the new covenant where there are greater promises and you simply have to receive. And you know, the greatest thing about this is, is we don't strive. You're like, oh, well, you got to try or something. When you love someone, don't you want to please them? I love my wife with all my heart and I do the little things that I know make her happy such as vacuuming the apartment. Why? Because I love her. I don't like vacuuming, but I love her. See what I'm saying? But when we strive, it's a hassle. But loving is a privilege. It's no longer a hassle, but a privilege. Covering sin does not abolish sin. It doesn't. It just covers it. But cleansing sin sure does. Listen, when this happens, when, when we get to this place, our sin consciousness starts to dissolve. The, hear me out. Your sin consciousness, so I think that's my baby too. You hear him screaming? He's, he got his loud mouth from his daddy. Um, sin consciousness, where? I'll let it slide. Listen, where, where did I say sin consciousness comes from? Always thinking on sin. So if you're constantly thinking about how you're going to make yourself good enough to overcome sin, what are you constantly thinking about? But when you're in Christ Jesus and you understand your forgiven past, present, and future, and that he's good enough, you're not. You know what happens? Your sin consciousness starts, starts to dissolve. And it gets smaller and smaller. And guess what? You don't do those same stupid intentional sins you used to do. You don't find yourself in bondage like you used to. Now, am I saying you'll be perfect? No. But I'm saying those intentional sins you've been stuck in for so long, those secret sins, we love to call them in the church because we don't want to call it for what it is in the church, right? We want to be all dignified, our secret sins. Those sins you keep hidden, those deliberate sins you're intentionally committing, guess what? They'll start to dwindle and dwindle because your sin consciousness, the amount of time you spend thinking about not doing it is going to, going to dwindle because you already know it's covered by the blood. Does that make sense? So I have, I have a lot of young men because... Open here. I was addicted to pornography for a long time. So I have young men who know that Jesus has brought me through that. And they ask me, Pastor Josiah, how do you beat this thing? Because y'all, did you know that pornography is as addictive as cocaine? The endorphins it releases every time is as powerful. And some scientists are saying more powerful than cocaine. So these young guys who are watching at 8, 9, 10 years old are being addicted their whole lives. Because it's like giving an 8-year-old cocaine. See what I'm saying? So they come to me and they say, Pastor Josiah, how do I beat this thing? And I said, you already messed up. You can't beat it. 
No amount of behavior modification you try to put in place can achieve it. I tried everything. Yo, my grandparents even paid for a program that did not help me whatsoever. It's Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It will always be Jesus. It's Jesus. So instead of saying, I tell them, instead of saying, how can I beat this? You need to talk to Jesus and Jesus help me through this. And of course, there are things you put in place. There, of course, there's things. I, listen, my wife to this day has all blockers on all my devices. I don't even give the devil a door to even be open. I ain't stupid. I, I don't play games with the devil. He's a smart little snake. I ain't messing with him, right? But the thing is, it's through Christ Jesus. It's through Christ Jesus. That sin you're stuck in only starts to dissolve when your focus is more on Jesus than your sin. If your inward world is focused on Jesus, which y'all, these past three weeks have been crazy just because I can't stop thinking about Jesus all the time. It's no longer what I have to do. It's what I get to do. And my inward world is stuck, is stuck on Jesus. And so I don't even see majority of the things going on around me. We have to set. That's why scripture says set your focus on Jesus. Hmm. Let's, let's look at some logic from Romans. Listen, if you struggle with sin, I ask you to raise your hand, of course. If you are stuck in a sin... I, I suggest you go read Romans chapter 3 ver, uh, through chapter 8. Romans chapter 3 through. Oh, that's a lot of reading. It's worth it. It's worth it. Romans chapter 3. But listen, don't just read it. I, I want you to read a chapter and then sit and ponder. I'm starting. I know I have a niece named Selah, but the actual word in the Old Testament in Psalms is Selah. And it literally means to pause and ponder. After you read each chapter, I want you to Selah. Pause and ponder. We're not reading for a grade. We're reading for change, right? Read and ponder. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. Listen, I'm going to walk you through the logic of Paul real fast, and I love his logic. Listen, now that we're under grace, not the law, it's not a freedom to sin. It's not freedom to sin. It's freedom from, from sin. Not freedom to sin. Freedom from sin. And then he goes on, a dead person cannot sin, right? Dead people can't do anything. He says, a dead man cannot sin. And he says, Jesus never sinned. And what's his final point? We are dead to ourselves and alive in Christ Jesus. And the difference is we get so stuck on the I die daily theology, we forget Jesus already died. And it was enough. And now we can be free because we're in Christ Jesus. Do you know how amazing it is to be free? Y'all, Miss Melly, you remember, and Pastor Charlie, you remember whenever I gave y'all those sheets where I got like this revelation where I just started writing, and I told y'all, I said, don't think this is some like literary, great literary article. I said, this is the rant of a free man. Did I not? I said, this is the rant of a free man. Do you know how much stress is taking off of your mental when all you're thinking about is striving to be good enough for God? Now listen, I gotta, I gotta tell y'all something Lamont said. Lamont said on my birthday on Wednesday, he said, oh, you're 25. People can't say we have a young pastor anymore. I was like, that's true. But listen, hey, if it's good enough for the insurance company, it's good enough for the church. I'm just playing. <laughs> listen, as a young pastor, I had this built up in my mind. Y'all, Bible college, if you're thinking about going to Bible college, please come talk to me first. We need to have a conversation. Bible college taught me to strive. Mm, gotta be good enough. And so what did I come in with the mentality for this church? I got to be good enough. I got to get closer to God so y'all can be closer to God. Lord Jesus, help me. Because <laughs> now I'm looking back, I'm like, how immature? How immature? It was always Jesus. 
It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being Jesus. And he brings freedom. And the amount of striving, y'all, striving is exhausting. Did you know that's why majority of y'all, did you know every day I think it's approximately 10,000 pastors resign from the ministry? Why? They're striving so they become depressed. Y'all, did you know I think it's like 3,000 pastors commit suicide every year? Because striving causes mental exhaustion and mental exhaustion causes depression and anxiety. Can I tell you how anxiety filled I was like a month ago? But y'all would have probably never known it. Some of y'all probably did. Y'all have discerning spirits. But can I tell you today, I am more free than I have ever been in my entire life. Why? Because I read the Bible and I believed it. I would never be good enough. But Jesus always will be. Romans 6, 1 through 8. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? There's that point. Dead man cannot sin. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized, what is that word? Into. Into, not, not just there, into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. What, when Jesus died, I died too? Yes, that is the whole point of why we do baptism. It's symbolism. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. What, we were buried with Jesus. Listen, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk. What is that? In newness of life. It doesn't say you get saved, now you struggle in the same sins for the next 45 years of your life. Is that a new life? It's not a new life. I almost wanted to call this sermon zombies. Because it's Halloween, you get it? We're... <sighs> Lord, touch their funny bone today. Help them. God, <laughs> oh, y'all are a hard crowd sometimes. Oh, Lord. Number five. Yeah, he's back there. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse six, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him on that cross. You were there, too. That the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer. Please read that for me. Y'all, it's right there in the book. It's right there in the book. For he who has died has been what? Freed from sin. Y'all see now why I'm saying you just need to write down the scriptures and ponder that for yourself? How can I preach on that? It says, Lord Jesus. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Is Jesus walking in sin? Did Jesus ever sin? So if we, now if we died with Christ, who in here died with Christ? Who in here identifies with the death of Jesus Christ upon the cross? Okay, cool. So what do we believe? We believe that we shall also live with him. In this life, do you understand eternity has already started? Oh, <gasps> You're already living in eternity. Your eternity has already started. And did you know that when you have union with Jesus, 
you experience heaven on earth. Eternity starts now. So what does that mean? We're living with him in this earth. So we don't have to be brought down and in bondage to these earthly things. Galatians 2.20, the Passion Translation, I, I thought this was awesome. And it's even using the same verbiage I have been, so I just thought, I thought this was great. I read this last week in the, in the uh, New King James. We'll read it in the Passion Translation. My old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives. I like how he says my old identity, who I used to be, right? Because the physical body didn't die, but the spirit inside of you was transformed. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. Could you imagine if Christians stopped being so selfish and we understood that? The essence of this new life is not even about you. It's not about me. It's not about how comfortable can I be sitting in my church. It's not about whether I like the music or not. It's not about my personal preferences anymore. It's about Jesus. For the anointed one lives his life through who? Say that loud because that's you. Me. Through you, Mr. Joe. Through you, Sydney. Through you. In me. We live in what is that? Oh, that's a beautiful word. Union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God. Read that with me. Who loves me so much that he gave himself for me, dispensing his life. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? Did y'all know, you know, I hear people say, you know, I struggle with specific desires. Did you know you can crucify your desires? You can throw them desires up on that cross. Let's read Galatians 5, 24, New King James and the Passion Translation. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its what? What? I can crucify my desires? I don't have to struggle with lust? No. That's why Jesus died. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus Christ have already experienced crucifixion. For everything connected with our self-life, our old life, was put to death on the cross and crucified with Messiah. Mm. Y'all, in, 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 this, in this New Testament life, what we have done... Repentance in the Greek is metanoia, the word metanoia. And what it means, it means a changing of the perspective, a changing of the mindset. So tell me this. If you sin, you know it's wrong, right? Because you know it's sin. How many times can you tell yourself something's wrong? How many times can you tell yourself not to do something? We have used repentance and just replaced it with Old Testament sacrifice. How many of us, every time we sin, got on our knees and begged God to forgive us? That's what they did in the Old Testament with sacrifices. Did you know you're already freed from those sins, so you don't have to ponder when you do them? Whoa, I'm not saying it's freedom to sin. I'm saying it's freedom from sin. Because now if you do sin, Jesus, I messed up. Thank you for dying for that sin. Do you know how freeing it is not to have to fight those thoughts all the time of, am I good enough? Did I do enough? Am I enough? Let, let's read. Y'all turn to your Bibles. I don't think I put it on there. Romans 8. Romans 8. 1 through 4. And I guess I did not put my updated PowerPoint up there. That's, that's a bummer. Because um, I had New King James and the Passion Translation. But I'm going to read the Passion Translation. Because I, I like the way it says this. Romans chapter 8. 1 through 4. Because y'all, we as Christians, I feel like we deal with condemnation more than any other people in the world. Condemnation, condemnation. Now, let, let's see. Well, what, Pastor, what is condemnation? It's, it's the act of condemning. What does to condemn mean? 
to pronounce to be guilty, sentenced to punishment. How many of us have sentenced ourselves to punishment? God, I deserve this. God, my life is falling apart because I sinned. I deserve this. How many of us have done that to ourselves? The second part of condemning is this. To judge or pronounce to be unfit for use or service. How many of us have thought we could not be used by God in the ministry because we condemned ourselves and said, God, I'm unfit for use. God, you cannot use me. How many of us, how many of us have done that? How many of us have looked to who? Ourselves. We've looked to ourselves time and time again and said, I'm not good enough. You're right. You're not good enough. I'm not good enough. Hey, and don't let the world tell you just because what you're doing, it makes you good enough. But when you are in Christ Jesus, you hear that? When you are in Christ Jesus, I may be a horrible person in my flesh, but because of Christ Jesus, I am considered righteous. Romans 8, 1 through 4. Obviously, he's going to read probably different than yours. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. First off, let me start this. Hey, that voice of condemnation in your head, you know what Jesus says to that? Shut up. Jesus looks at your condemnation, kicks it to the ground and says, shut up. You no longer get to talk to my brothers and sisters like this. The accusing voice has been shut up. It was finished on the cross. Hell, sin, death, and the grave were conquered on the cross. So that accusing voice, you know, you can say it to it next time it talks to you. Hey, Jesus told me, you ain't got no say in my life anymore. Jesus told me I'm free. Hey, do you, listen, I struggled really bad with anger in high school, and I actually saw a therapist. He said, one of the most important things you can do is self-talk. Listen, when you get those thoughts that are making you do these things or causing you to feel absolutely horrible about yourself, he said, talk back to it. Now, people probably thought I was a crazy person, but hey, I don't deal with anger anymore. Praise Jesus. Thank you, psychiatrist. Anyways, he said self-talk. So next time that voice of condemnation speaks to you, telling you you're not good enough, telling you you're condemned because of something in your past, telling you you can never serve in the ministry because of what you did, tell them to shut up. I'm not too sanctified to say shut up. Some of y'all need to get a backbone with the enemy and say shut up. Y'all have allowed that voice in your head for too long. Jesus died so you could be free. He took the weight off your shoulders. He said, brother, you know, you know what I love about Jesus? You know what he always said? He said, they don't get it yet, but they will. Who I'm trying to look at people like that, y'all. They may not get it yet, but they will. And Jesus saw us in our sin and he said, they may not get it yet but they will. Jesus never once gave up on us. Jesus never once said, man, I died for you? Seriously? No. Every time he sees you, he sees that you're worthy. Can I tell you today, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible told me so. There's no lie found in this book. Jesus loves you. Next time that accusing voice, y'all, because I have it all the time, and you know what I've been doing? I say, shut up. I'm not listening to you anymore. I refuse. There's one voice I'm listening to, and that's God. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Y'all, don't even give the enemy a foothold. For the law of the Spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. You no longer, be you no longer belong to sin and death. That's no longer your heritage. Your inheritance is the kingdom of God. 
For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. You understand the law could not be fulfilled in us. There's, we couldn't do it. We could not handle it. Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with, not, not to be human weakness, to identify with human weakness. Clothed with humanity, God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and, ooh, listen to this, God could once and for all condemn. He condemned the guilt and the power of sin. You understand when Jesus was on that cross, all sins, all time were absorbed into his very being. So guess what? When he died, sin died. When he died, the guilt of sin died. When he died, the power of sin died. The only way sin has power now is when you tell it to have power. Who, Lord. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. And we are free. Who, Jesus. We are free to live not according to the flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Boy, if I were to say one thing I want for this church is to be free. I, as your pastor, looking out, seeing you stuck in sin and shame and guilt, breaks my heart. Because Jesus died for this. He died for this. And you can't do anything to walk in it, to talk in it. Be with him. Paul said in Acts 17, 28, he said, in him we live, we move, and we have our very being. Christians, if we start walking like that, if we start talking like that, if we start believing that, everywhere we go will be heaven on earth. Minds will be transformed. Hearts will be transformed. Loved ones will be brought back into the family. People in the workplace will see Jesus. How? Through you. In prayer this morning, I felt it in my heart. We have a lot of people in here praying for loved ones to come back to this church. And I felt it in my heart. The more we walk in union with Jesus, the more they're going to see Jesus in us, which then brings them back to the church because they see Jesus. Do you understand in the book of Isaiah, it says he was nothing nice to look at. Jesus was not what we would consider a handsome man. He wasn't great in stature. He wasn't beautiful in face. But his spirit drew the thousands. He's our prince of peace. His spirit of peace and of joy and of mercy and of grace drew people to him. What if we look more like Jesus? Can I tell you God loves you, but he doesn't want to leave you this way. He wants you to look more like Jesus. How do we become the house of transformation we want to be? How do we become the hospital for the sick we want to be? How do we become the redemption light to the lost? We look like Jesus. We look like Jesus. We look like Jesus. For too long, the church has forsaken the gospel. For too long, the church has preached everything but Jesus. Can I tell you, I'm becoming a one-trick pony. It's Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It's always been Jesus. And as we grow in union, it transforms us. As we get the revelation that we're completely forgiven, it doesn't change us. It transforms us. Auntie, will y'all play that song, Fill Up the Sky? 
Will y'all stand as we worship Jesus? place again with the praises before we leave. God, are you thankful for this word today that we are free? God, we thank you that we are free, Lord Jesus. Come on, praise God from whom all blessings. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all people God, you're such a good, good God. Such a good, good God. God, we can't thank you enough for who you are. 
And God, you, we can't thank you enough for who you've made us to be. No longer shall we walk, church, in doubt. No longer shall we walk in fear because God is living inside of us. And my Bible says, and as a man thinketh, so is he. So the way I look at that is my pastor told me today, I can tell the devil to shut up. And I love that. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> because too long, too long we think that we're doubters. Too long we think we're not good enough. Too long we think that I can't do this. I'm here to tell you, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I'm here to tell you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. You do not have to walk in fear. You do not have to walk into thinking that you're not good enough. I'm so sick and tired of people thinking, I can't. My daddy always told me, can't don't exist in my book. <laughs> That's what he always told me. He said, can't don't exist. And I'm here to tell you, you can because Christ lives in you. Christ is inside of you. That man died on the cross for you. He died so that you may be free. It may have started in the garden with sin, and we talked about this in Men's uh, Cubed. So I'm giving a little segment here, guys. We talked about this, and it said it started in the garden in sin, but it ended in the garden when they came to find him. And when they came to find him, I was telling Michelle about this the other day, it just blew my mind. When they came to find Jesus, he said, who do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And when they said those words, the, the, the guards that were coming to get him fell down because of the power that came out of his mouth. They, they fell down because of the power that came out of his mouth, the glory that resonated from him. So I'm here to tell you, you serve that God. You serve that man who willingly went to the cross for us so that we may be just like him. Father God, we just want to thank you today for who you are. God, I thank you that you died on the cross for us so that we may be free. Now, Father, I'm praying this for this church today as we walk out of this house today, Father God, let us be free. Let us think like we're free. Let us walk like we're free. Let us talk like we're free. We do no longer have to be under the bondage of sin because we are free. So, devil, I'm telling you right now to shut up in the name of Jesus. You have no authority nowhere near anybody in this house, nobody near anywhere in this family, nobody on the online congregation. You have no authority. So, devil, shut up in the name of Jesus. So, church, I command you today as you walk out here today, let Jesus resonate inside of you. Let people see the glory of Jesus living in you. Let them feel the glory of Jesus living in you. Let them feel the very residue of the Holy Spirit upon you as you walk out this house today. Now, Father, I pray and ask you, bless us indeed, that you enlarge our territories, Father God. Keep your hand of protection about us. Keep us from evil that it harm us not. And let everything we do give you praise. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Thank you guys for being with us today. We love you guys. Pastor Betty, is there food across the street? Bless yourself. Go get some food tonight.